Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome back to Habs Unfiltered. I'm your host, Blaine Putney, and I'm joined now by my co-host, Treg Wilson. What's up, yo? Nothing much changed since the checks notes. Five minutes we were just uh, recording. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to pump out as many shows as we can uh, while we have the time. Treg's very busy lifting things. I'm busy working. Matt, well, he's he's off being a hero overseas. To Thursday, I started a half-day French course. So I'm going to be busy doing French homework. Bunch house. Oui. Je parle français un peu. Comprends bien. Écrit. <laughs> Can never get the Asante Goose and Gras correct. <laughs> I have a hard time with my kids' homework. Uh, they're French immersion, I, I assume, are they? Mine? Yeah. I can't grasp that Acadian stuff that they talk. Just doesn't feel right. I know my family's freaked out by it. Just so technically, you should all be speaking English. It's just they didn't have enough English people in Quebec at the time to force the the law, so they just let them go. According to my nephew, who told me the history of it, and yeah, he, he lives in northern Quebec, so he would know. I'm sure some old man in a bar somewhere said, let me tell you. He's living in hiding up north. Away from the authorities. They'll never take our culture. Didn't he move up there because he owed some loan shark money? Who, my nephew? Sure. I'll say yes. I don't know what story you're going with this, but I'll say yes. Uh, the old man, the old man that's probably yelling at him did. True. The, he's the name, cloud running away from the old man. He's the, his name is Lego. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're looking for him, there you go. Uh, all right. So this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the Kent Hughes uh, press conference on Monday uh, mm -hmm. and some issues with the roster that's going to be coming up from injuries, return from injuries, yada, yada, yada. So before we get into that, there's been some discussion today. Uh, it's Tuesday, the 16th, as we record. And there's some back and forth about Mitchkov being a generational talent and the Canadians wasted their opportunity to draft him and just flush their pick away and pick Reinbacher. Okay. I take a lot of heat for this because I get... I don't get passionate about it. I just, and anyway, I don't think he's a generational talent. I don't think he is at all. I mean, people say, oh, he, he's doing things at 19 in the KHL that no other 19. Well, of course he is. He's playing 18 minutes a game when Ovi, Kucherov, and Malkin only got like nine to 10, 12 minutes a game 
right? Uh, I want to see the point per 60. Give me the point per 60 on those guys back in the KHL when they were there and the point per 60 of Mitchkov. Well, if we're going to do the analytical thing, because there's mostly analytical people that are arguing Mitchkov's generational, show me that stat. If that stat, if his point per 60 is better than theirs, sure, you, you, you convinced me. You just convinced me that this guy is going to be a generational talent. I don't think he's going to be a bust. I don't think he's going to be a bad player in the NHL. The reason I say this is he's 5'10", and he has below average skating. Okay? And shit defense. And shit to no defense. And yes, I've watched full games. Not Probably not as many as some other people have, but I have watched full games of him playing in the KHL. Yes, he's on a terrible team, and yes, he's the best player on that team. Uh, yes, he battled pneumonia, but he didn't play when he had pneumonia. So the excuse of, oh, he had pneumonia when he was playing, is not true because he didn't play. Um, but yeah, so here's a guy in the KHL, who's, which is not as good of a league as it used to be due to the war and people leaving and whole teams leaving and it being a little bit watered down. Um, I would say it's even below the SHL. I would say SHL and Liga, but that's just me. Awesome. Uh, um, so what I uh, think about Mitch Cuff. So I think Mitch Cuff's going to be good. I think he's going to do well in the NHL. I don't think he, like people think, and I don't compare him to Reinbacher because they're two totally different players playing two totally different, different positions. positions who's yep. going to come up with two totally different metrics. So you can't compare the two. You can't say, well, Mitch Goss is going to be better than Reinbacher. Point-wise, he should be. Because if he's not, then yes, Mitch Goff was a bust. Uh, and to sit there and say, well, if you're picking this guy over five, he better be the best defenseman in the league. Why? Why does he have to be the best defenseman in the league? Many defensemen were picked in the top five that became great top four or top two defenders but weren't necessarily the best defensemen in the league, Right. Uh, but when it comes to Mitchkoff, if Mitchkoff gets to the NHL, I think he's going to be an average over his career, 70 point, 30 point, 30 goal scorer type guy. Uh, depending on his coach, if he has torts, I think he's going to have a hard fucking time playing because he won't play defense and torts won't put up with that, but that's three years away. We don't even know if torts is going to be there. Uh, I will also say if he has a really, really good center and a really talented offensive center, he could hit the hundred point. He could, he very could, because sure. I think I believe Mitchkov is one of those wingers. He has all the skill in the world in offense. He has a great shot. He has, you know, I'm not his hockey IQ in the offensive zone is off the charts. Uh, but I just think there's so much hype on him to be this generational guy. Actually, Prong, Prongman in the athletics said he's not generational. He's in tier three of the players under 22. He was number six overall, yeah. but he's a border bubble elite NHL all-star is what he has. Him. Sure. Sure. Okay. Sure. Sure. But, and here's my thing. You're talking about him being a 100-point player, which I agree, it's possible based on the scenarios that you mentioned. But at yeah. the same time, unless he can figure out how to play defense, he'll be one of the few point 100-point uh, players to be a negative player. Yes, 
But if he doesn't learn how to play defense, and I'm I'm just I'm just listen. I'm we'll talking about the long. style. I'm talking about the style of the NHL. Like let's right. let's bring this over. If he doesn't play, and everyone says, "Oh well, who cares about his defense if he has all this offensive talent?" The coaches in the NHL care about his defense because if he's playing on the top line, guess who's he's playing against? The other team's top line. And if you're not playing defense, that other team's top line is going to scorch you. So, right then and there, he's probably not playing top line minutes. That's right. There's a reason that the SKA wasn't playing him, and it had a lot to do with how he played defense. But he's only 18. They don't have any 18-year-olds on their team except for that one. Demidov. But actually, he's not on the team anymore. He's down in the NHL now. So, but he did get the minute. He did get the minutes over Mitchkov at the time. Mitchkov was so. And Demidov is. uh, Let me let me just double check that. Uh, Yes, uh, it's coming in now. The uh, mission control has just passed on that. Yes, Demidov is a 2024 eligible draftee. I like so Demidov. He's younger. I, I think Demidov is going to be a better overall player than Mishkov, if you ask me. If, you, if I, I, give, yep. if I yep. give my opinion on it. And by overall, I mean two-way. I don't think Demidov isn't super great in the defensive zone, but he isn't As a winger, Mishkov. he's passable. He isn't Mishkov. Mishkov. As yep. a matter of fact, the VHL, Mishkov never even played defense. He didn't even go back there. And I know that the argument on the defensive side is going to be, well, you don't need to play defense if you're if you have the puck all the time. But I counter in the NHL against top lines, you're not going to have the puck all the time. No one's that good, especially if he's a below average skater at five ten, one who loves mm-hmm. to play in the center of the ice and one who loves to play in the dirty areas. Yeah. Well, who was it? It was uh, Emlyn last year. Just clipped him when he was cutting to the middle. And Emlyn was known for his big hits in the NHL. And Emlyn wasn't anything spectacular at the NHL level either. There's There were players that were way meaner, way tougher, way worse. And that exists today. So he's going to have to learn how to play in traffic, how to play defense, work on his skating. And that can all happen in three years. I mean, he's not going to be back. He's not going to be in the NHL for three years. It can, but from what I've read, from reports I read, his skating hasn't gotten better since U18. Well, no, but I mean, it could. Like, he could work it, on it in the summer. It could. And, yeah. it could and, and like I said, I get everyone, Mitchkoff, 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 but there's a reason, and it wasn't just his contract that five teams passed on him looking to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness then check out the natural man podcast join me host mike c as we explore all areas of human wellness physical mental and emotional learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health remember your doctor works for you learn biohacks neurohacks ways to improve sleep and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com. True. And back to the generational tag. I agree. It is absolutely not deserved. Uh, If he was a generational player, there would have been all kinds of talk about the Bedard-Mitchkov draft. Like there was prior to... Correct. And after U18, after the U18 tournament, which he dominated, 
I'm not going to deny that. Yeah. The one in Texas, I believe it was in, uh, yeah. he was actually better than Bedard. And the talk was there. Oh, Bedard might not be the consensus first overall pick. But what happened after that is it quickly went, Mitchkov won't go any higher than five. So it didn't go from, could he go two? It went from, he won't go any higher than five. Exactly. And that's where the, that's why I think the generational tag is undeserved. Because if he really was a generational player, it would have been a slam dunk, no doubt pick at two. Instead, it went to Carlson and yeah. then Fantilli and then Smith, then Reinbacher. And I'll even argue that Mitchkov wasn't even the first Russian picked. If you want to say, oh, it's a Russian factory, he wasn't even the first Russian pick. Simashev to Arizona was the first Russian, a defenseman. Granted, I'll play devil's advocate. Arizona wanted a defenseman, and everyone knew Arizona was going to pick a defenseman. True. But <laughs> if he was a generational talent and he had slipped that far, you'd think a team would trip over themselves to get there. I think if it was generational, he would have went first or second. There would have been an argument, like the right Slavkovsky argument, on who was going to go first overall. It wouldn't have been clear Clep Bedard if he was. And then the argument for him going second would be, well, Teams don't want to wait three years to get their generational talent. Chicago doesn't want, or doesn't want to wait three years to get the generational talent. And the second overall pick would have said, fuck. I think it was Anaheim. Was Anaheim at the second pick yeah. with Carlson? Yeah. Anaheim has three years. They're not going to do anything in three years. Same with San Jose. Same with uh, who picked third? Uh, Columbus. Picked, oh, Columbus. They're not going to do anything in three years. So... They have the time to wait for him to come over. And both teams were looking for scoring in the draft. Ex- so that, exactly. that brings me back to, it's not the Russian factor because a Russian was picked before him anyway. Um, it's it's all the points you mentioned before. It, these these question marks about his, his actual on-ice play. And then there were question marks about his, his attitude. Now, I think they're kind of overblown, but... Bobrov is Russian. He knows a lot of people in that league and he gets information from them. So if, if he heard some bad, bad news out of the, out of the KHL about the attitude, I get it. Do I think they would have picked him? Bobrov does have a certain type of player that he likes and it's not a, that is true. So I'm not, I don't think his. I don't think he really has an attitude. I'll be honest. I don't think the attitude is a real big thing. Oh, I was, that, and that's um, what I was getting to. Yeah, I don't I think, think it was. I think it was I, what you mentioned was the size issue. Yeah, I think he did have teams he preferred to play for over other teams. I think Montreal was a team, and of course, our friends have Habs fan TV or Habs TV or whatever they call themselves now. They HF were talking TV, to him yeah. at the draft. HF TV. They were talking about the draft, and he said he that has no issue. With Montreal, he doesn't, you know, he has no wish Montreal draft him. I think he wanted Philly. Um, sure. sure. Like, uh, he's not a cutter Gauthier, so he wanted to go to Philly. Well, cutter Gauthier apparently wanted Philly too, so let's not even go there. <laughs> until, until they had that first date. Yeah. Uh, so, again, like and I say, people might say, oh, well, Trey, you're being wishy-washy. Now, I'm not being wishy-washy. I'm just trying to be realistic. Yes, there's a chance Mitch God's going to come in and score 100 points. But the only way that's happening is if he has a center that's going to be – if it's like a, a Matthews-Marner type situation where he has a center there's who's just, just as, as good, good as he is. 
Exactly. And there's just as good a chance he shows up and he becomes the next Neil Yakupov. I I think it's not going to go that far, but I mean, I would say this and people are going to shit on me. I think he's closer to a Cole Caulfield than he is to a generational talent. And only I only say that yeah. because of, I think he's going to probably, no, actually they could probably get the same amount of points in the same situation. So I think Caulfield could be a 70, 80 point score in the right situation when, when Montreal gets and their, their shit together. If, if people, if anyone listening goes back to the sh- the episodes that we, we put out when Matt and I were in Nashville, uh, you'll, you'll hear both of us talk about Caulfield already being on the roster. So they don't need to get Mitch because they already have the Mitch type player in Caulfield. So it makes, it makes sense on that end. Do you really think you're going to do well when you have on your top line two sub six foot players? One's five foot eight, one's five foot ten, and then you got a five foot eleven center. Is that re- I know size shouldn't matter; it should be about skill. But in the NHL today, size still matters. You need some of it on that line. I like, think you could do it now. I think you would. Well, I mean, yeah. I, I don't think Montreal – I don't want to say Montreal didn't consider Mitchkov because they had to have. But I think Montreal's direction, they wanted to build the back end first. They're like, okay, we just need yep. one more defenseman to, cl- to finish up our defense for the future. We need him to be a right-hander, and Reinbacher was there. Now, the argument will be, is Reinbacher the best defenseman out of this draft and the next draft? Because you could very easily go – Okay, well, if you wanted that high-end right-handed defenseman, why didn't you just pick Nemec first overall the year before? Because defensemen and goalies take longer to develop. Why didn't you pick him? And then you could have picked a a Leonard, a Benson, or a Mitchkov at five or. But they didn't know where they would be sitting in 2023 when the draft came. They didn't know where they'd be drafting. So they went with who they thought was the best player because – you know, they know they need skill. They know they need talent. I think Hughes just thinks he can get it through the free agent or a trade on the wing. I, yeah, I think the trade market is where he's looking. Uh, yeah. I was, I was bringing up the top line as a segue to not only how they draft, but really, yeah, no, it's about how they draft. So they got uh, Slavkowski, the big power forward, who on the top line now is starting to show why he was picked, where he was picked. Granted, it was a weaker draft year, no, whatever. But they picked him for those skill sets. And you look at the impact that uh, a big right-handed defenseman can have you know, across the NHL, and Reinbacher fits a lot of those... I guess uh, special uh, specialties, the, the little skill sets that you need. And when he, when Hughes was asked in his press conference on Monday, why not go for Mitchkov? Well, he said, "Well, we weren't sure. We wanted it. like essentially, he's basically saying, I'm paraphrasing that they just wanted Ryan Bacher. They liked him better, and they didn't. They weren't too sure about the defenseman in this draft class being any better than him." And that's what you got to look at. So, I mean, with Reinbacher, you also have to look at, you have a guy now who's defensively responsible. He has upside to his offense. Mind you, he's playing on a 
terrible fucking Colton team. Um, True. And uh, and he's going to get paired with Lane Hudson. There's no question about that him and Lane Hudson are going to get paired up. And this is the guy, and I'm, I always compare this. This is the Markov-Suban matchup of this generation because – I don't think, mind you, I don't think Ryan Barker's probably going to score as many points as Markov could score. Uh, and I don't think he's going to run the power play like Markov could run a power play. But he's going to give Lane Hudson the freedom to do Lane Hudson things and not have to worry so much defensively. And a one thing I'll say about Lane Hudson, everyone said, oh, well, Lane Hudson's not a very good defender. If you watch the, the World Junior Championships and you're still saying Lane Hudson's not a very good defender – then you didn't actually watch the World Junior Championships because Lane Hudson's defense was on display. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to say it's perfect, but you watch his defensive game last season and you watch it this season. There is a marked difference. Like You mentioned yeah. the World Juniors. He was impressive in the World Juniors, and defensively, he was strong. Why else would his coach play him as the most minutes on the team and get named to the top defenseman in the in the tournament? He played the PK, he played the power play, and he played, you know, he played everything. And you don't put a guy like that, you don't put a guy like that on PK if you don't think his defense is is, is good enough for that. Um, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying Lane Hudson's going to come out and become this 80.2A friggin' defenseman, but what I'm saying is if you pair him with a guy like Reinbacher, and Reinbacher hits his ceiling, which I think is maybe 40 points, uh, Bot plays that solid defensive game, which allows Hudson. Oh, I'm going to pinch in. Don't worry about it. Reinbacher's back there, right? He can pinch in. Even if it was a bad pinch, he has nothing really to worry about because he has that. You know, PK Subban was allowed to do his thing because he had Markov and Josh George's. He knew he had Markov and Josh George's cover his ass. Because we have to admit, P.K. Subban, and I'll admit, I was one of those guys with blinders and thought he was the greatest defenseman that ever lived with the Montreal Canadiens. And then I actually watched little things near the before he got traded. I was like, oh, he's not that great defensively. Uh, so that's what I think is going to happen. And I think Lane Hudson's going to be the next Adam Fox. And uh, I think Montreal had the gym there. I think they did get a gem. I, I'm not saying that he's the next Adam Fox or the next Queen Hughes. Um, oh, yeah. There's he's possibility be he gets. There's a possibility he gets up towards that end of the spectrum, sure. But the bottom end for him is more of a Tory, uh, Tory Krug. And I'm gonna be honest, that's it's not a bad defenseman. You pick this guy at the end of the second round, and you get a 40 to 50 point defenseman who can be uh, solid defensively. That that's a great pick. That that is a great pick, the... and then and then you get Reinbacher, who ends up being maybe a thirty point, thirty thirty five point defenseman who's yeah. who's responsible defensively. What's wrong with that? What's Highly mobile, that? excellent on the transition, and that's and now, where the offense is going now. Are you going to argue? Oh, but he was a fifth overall pick. Who cares? Johnson on Colorado was a third overall pick. Are they are they complaining? No, they're not. He's a good, solid defenseman. They're complaining about his cap hit, not his play. That's okay. Sure. Yeah, but let's keep it. Simple. That's my point. It's not the play that they're <laughs> they're bitching about. Right. They want so, that kind of player. I mean, 
hey, if Hughes and them really think Ryan Bacher was the bad pick, you have your fuck you have yourself a great asset to go get that talented winger that everyone's dying for him to go get. End of story. True. It's not gonna it's and not gonna happen, but whatever. The the pairing that you'd mentioned, the new Markov Subin pairing, Hudson and Reinbacher, we might actually see that at the end of this season. It's possible. Uh now depends on how Hudson does in the frozen four, because if that That's right. you might only get a game or two out of Hudson. Uh same with Fowler, depending on how far uh uh, Boston College goes, but uh, I don't think Fowler will be signed. But uh, yeah, I don't think true. Yes, sorry, I forgot all about that. But Fowler, I think, will be signed after next season. Um, yeah. I think he's only going to do the two seasons. That's just my point of view. Uh, Hudson Hughes has already alluded to the fact that I think Hudson's going to be signed at the end of the season. He kind of hinted Hughes on Hughes has flat out said he wants to sign him to play at the end of this season, right. And Hudson kind of on McGra- uh, Grant McKegg's little show there kind of wore the Montreal Canadiens shirt and, you know, indirectly. He's, he hasn't been shy in saying he wants to sign with Montreal yeah. as soon as possible. So depending on how long the Frozen Four goes, you'll probably see him. I would, in all honesty, I would get Reinbacher out of Colton as fast as I could. Um, but I think they want him to finish the season there because I think he wants to finish the season there, um, which shows dedication. Um, and then you'll either see him in Laval. Or, I think you'll see him in Montreal for at least a game or two, just to see what he what he can do. Quite possible. Now, yeah. the next part of Hughes's press conference, he for a guy who didn't say very much, he was talking a lot. Like you, you can tell he's a lawyer. Well, and that's what politicians and lawyers do. They talk a lot without exactly. really saying anything. And what do you expect? Do you expect him to say, you know what? We really need to get rid of one of these goalies. And uh, we really need this high-end scoring offenseman. And we really don't have the talent on our team that we need to go further. No. Oh. <laughs> They're not going to – no GM is going to tell you his plan. Even if his plan is – Freaking obvious like it it's clear the canadians need more scoring and i see online every you know some people on uh on x and facebook they say well it's obvious that he needs scoring so if i was the other gm i would just fleece him for everything well that's not how that works either just because you know they need something you're not gonna be able to fleece him for that one he won't pay the stupid price and some other gm would take whatever he's willing to offer and two, what GM's going to work with you after that? I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Really? Well, and not just that, but no GM's going to sit here and say, this team sucks. You know, uh, we really need to make major moves to improve this team. Of course, he he even said it. Uh, I kind of did, did like... 
I didn't like the way he went. Uh, you don't need – you can win with a player like Bergeron, who wasn't a point-per-game player. By the way, he was one season. Um, but then he said he Bergeron – Bergeron yeah. makes everyone else around him a point-per-game player. But I think what he was alluding to was Bergeron wasn't a point-per-game player, but he was good enough that he made everyone around him better. And that's the type allowed of player – to be. Yeah. Allowed them to be yeah. better. And that's the type of player that – wins you championships that's what he was trying to say so in a roundabout way he wasn't saying we didn't need scores he's saying if i could get a team that has a bunch of bergerons or someone like berger people like i don't need the point per game player because they're going to make each other point per game players but here's the thing he's already got one Suzuki. suzuki plays he plays a style similar to Bergeron. I'm not saying he's anywhere near as good mm. or you know anything like that. Just he plays that two-way centerman style. Will he get a Selkie trophy? Yeah, is, Suzuki will probably win one in his career, I would think. Maybe I'd first ballot Hall of Famer? No. I saw a chart not too long ago saying he's actually in the up there for the Selkie vote, Selkie metrics or whatever yeah. the fuck it, I don't know. Sure. But, it, it, but that brings me back to the, the fact that the Canadians do need a, some scoring and yeah. Hughes in the press conference kind of alluded to that as well. And then when he was asked about, you know, what about the log jam of draft picks and how are you going to, how are you going to fix that? And he said, well, we have 22 picks over the next two years. In a perfect world, we're not going to use them all. Um, and what we've done in the past, we've used some to get Kirby Doc, Alex Newhook, uh, and to uh, as we continue to move forward, we'll have more financial flexibility in the cap to evaluate things. So basically, he's telling you right then and there, we're going to use some of our draft picks and prospects probably to go and get that. So you talked about he's going out on the uh, trade market. He just said it. He didn't actually come out and say, I'm going on the trademark. But, I mean, come on. You know, I mean, he got three first-round picks in the next two seasons, possibly four if he gets a first-round pick at the trade deadline. Um, he has three second-round picks. He has four third-round picks. And this is only over the next two seasons. So, and the, the D prospects that he has that could all potentially be top four D, they're all not going to be on the team. I, right now, I look at Harris and I look at Barron, and I think you're weighing which one you're keeping, personally. Um, so, Hughes has the assets, and I think he said in an earlier press conference once, it's easier to draft uh, top centers and defensemen, but it's easier to trade for a top winger. And he's not wrong. Yes. That's true. He's not wrong because there's twice as many wingers as there are centers, uh, you know, out there for every center, you have two wingers. Right. And the thing is though, I think he has to go away from the new hooks and the docks and get the sure thing. I'm not saying new hook and doc won't be a sure thing. I think doc will be, if he can stay healthy, the book's still open for me on, on, on new hook, but he has to go away from the, this guy looks like a project and that guy looks like, I think we can turn things around yeah. Yeah. to 
we already know what this guy can do. Trevor Zegers, a guy like Trevor Zegers or something like that. I'm not saying they're going to get Trevor Zegers. It's a possibility. Um, but you're, you're someone who's proven, someone you know what they're going to bring. Someone who's proven. You know what they're going to bring. Uh, you know, if you know, Patterson's going to be a free agent at the end of Elias Patterson. I mean, he said he, financial flexibility. I think he's willing to go over that $8 million too that he gave Suzuki. Uh, Suzuki and Caulfield, if he can get the over eight million type player. Yeah. Uh, what about uh, like a Cole Iserman? Like the Canadians still have that top ten pick. Who knows? Well, I, Cole Iserman can I, slide I, down. Demidov could slide down. Berkeley Cat and Sam Dickinson. Uh, there, there's a bunch of really good players that could slide down. Plus, with a draft where there's a lot of teams probably going to pick defensemen up in the and with the top picks, that gives you more of a chance to get that forward. Right now, I think they're drafting seven or eight. I didn't really look at seven right standing. now. Yeah, seven. So they could win the lotto. They could get friggin' uh, Celebrini. Yeah, Celebrini. Yep. Who's best friends with Hudson. Um, <laughs> you could, uh, or they could, you know. Even at seven, you're going to get. No, I mean, I, and you know what? I would argue. I don't know if this draft is any worse than last year's draft or any any better. I don't know. Uh, there's no, I mean, celebrating is the clear number one pick, but I don't think he's at the level that Connor Bedard was at. But no, other than, but there's a lot of that, good talent. Other than that, the talent after four, talent after that, I don't think it's much worse than they need a forward talent that was picked last year in the top ten. So no, you never know. You never know. I because everyone's saying, "Oh, it's a bit of a weak draft." I don't think it's as weak as people think it is. Really? So you look at the top ten, and there's you can easily put five or six forwards in there, but you can just as easily put five or six defensemen in there. So there's going to be a right now. There's a lot of volatility. We're not a hundred percent sure how things are going to fall out. There's a lot of time left. But the Canadians could easily get a quality forward with that draft pick. And then they still have 21 others that they can trade off to get that surefire player that you were talking about. That Calgary pick, if Calgary starts selling everything away, is going to be a top 10 pick. And it's only top, it's only uh number one pick protected. So they could dangle that pick around anyone and say, all right, well, we got this pick. Uh yeah. If Calgary finishes in the bottom 10, or if Florida finishes in, oh no, there's a lot of what ifs. I'll have there's to go back to my article. Some of them have yeah. cleared up by now. It's, it's between Florida and Calgary now. So Philadelphia is out of the picture. So it's between Florida yeah. and Calgary now. So it depends on what happens there. And I don't think Florida is going to fall to the point where that no. pick's going to be relevant. So. So there's possibility. There's a lot of possibility that that's going to be a very good pick. Again, they can trade their own damn pick and keep that one. Like it, there's so many things they can do, and still get that surefire player and pick a great player in this draft. They could sit there and go, "You can have the best of our pick or the Calgary pick." <laughs> True, and, and I want. Uh, I would argue that because this is part of a rebuild, that this very well likely could have been part of an overall plan an overarching plan. They didn't have specific names or uh, types of players in mind, but they thought, okay, well, we're going to be missing a couple of things, like one or two types of player. And we're going to have all kinds of draft picks that we can use to get what we need. 
and we're going to have assets that we can trade from the depth that we've already had. Like this is not, it's not something they just happened to drop in on. This is not a fantasy team. They just, oh, look what we found. Yeah. There's some planning and involved. There is. And, and and he's always said, I'm looking for the team, the best players in the next five years. So I think his plan is multiple years, not just, oh yeah, this is my plan this year, this year, this year. This is our plan to get here at this year. All right. Well, uh, we don't have a lot of time left. Um, so I'm just going to give you your, what are your final thoughts? Uh, my final thoughts is Canadians are going to finish exactly where we all thought they were going to finish with the 80 or some odd points. Luckily for them, other that 80 point isn't going to have them as high in the standings as we thought they were. I figured they'd be between 10 and 15. It looks like they're between, between 5 and 10 because they're really not moving up or down on the scale. And if they do move up, it's only a, a spot. And then they a loss, they drop down one or two spots. So um, my final thought is just enjoy the games. Enjoy what's going on. Yes, they didn't pitch Mitchkoff. Get over it. Move on. Because really, there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> it's over. It's over. It's done. I didn't want Reinbacher either. That's all I'm saying. But guess what? We got him now. I want it Leonard. I was thinking Leonard. Yeah. <laughs> whatever or Zach Benson but whatever um yeah so I mean for me I just again as I always do want to thank everyone for tuning in thank you for listening um keep, keep listening there's a lot of other really good podcasts out there and I'm really happy to know that yeah well, sure there's some but I'm happy to to know that a lot of people have us in that rotation with them. So thank you very much for that. Keep listening to other podcasts, coming back to us, listening to our uh, to the two goofballs just throwing shit against the wall, seeing what sticks. We don't even believe what we say, or do we? Maybe we do. Maybe we don't. Come Grant McCag writes our script. <laughs> <laughs> kidding i'm kidding maybe i'm kidding or is it tony marinero could be so again i just want to thank everyone for tuning in and listening and remember if uh you're talking about it so are we it's really do did will the story of people podcast is now available on the crier media network the first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories ready tara sloan from the san jose sharks undercurrent podcast at nbc sports marianne iveson from iveson voice and the let's take this outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network. 
I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.